What up, what up, what up, what up, folks? What's going on? Welcome to episode 57 of the Spun Today podcast. I'm your host, Tony Ortiz. Thank you very much for taking the time to listen to this episode. And if I sound like Snuffleupagus right now, it's because it's early. And I'm recording this episode before work again. And I always wake up stuffy as shit. Um... In this episode, what's in this episode? What is this episode going to be about? If it's your first time listening, I'll tell you right now. And then you can decide if you want to stick around or not. In this episode, I speak about season two of the Netflix series Narcos, which I haven't spoken about. And it's uh, been a while since I've seen it, actually. The first presidential debate, Central Intelligence, the movie, and getting to watch... Three, yes, three Broadway plays within two weeks. And a thought on the Black Lives Matter movement. So if you're interested in any of those topics, please stick around. And uh, if you're not, stick around anyway. You might get into something that you otherwise wouldn't have. So I binge watched the shit out of Narcos. And I really liked season one. And I know it's not... It's gotten, um, you know, it's based on, for those of you that don't know, it's a Netflix original series based on Pablo Escobar, which is one of the biggest uh, drug lords ever from Colombia. And he was the head of the Medellin cartel, which is like one of the two main cartels in Colombia. And it, it's gotten criticism like, oh, that never happened. Or his mom wasn't like this. His mom was like that and stuff like that. But I mean, that's expected, I think, with... We should come to expect that with things that are like based on a true story. Um, they they take the creators and writers and stuff like that. And, you know, all the creative minds involved take creative license with the story. And, you know, it's not a like a biography or like documentary style thing uh, necessarily. Um, so they they punch it up basically for entertainment purposes or whatever. And uh, maybe to facilitate telling the story of something that actually did happen. They may add a few like things in to drive the narrative and, and stuff like that. And you could be for that, you could be against it. But regardless of that, of uh, those methods or whatever, it's a dope show uh, in and of itself, in my opinion. And I really liked uh, season one. And season two uh, was no no uh no letdown i really enjoyed it as well and we knew uh, pretty much that uh just with how fast the the first season progressed that in season two uh pablo escobar spoiler alert uh was going to die at the end like he did in real life and the my my thoughts of it, like what early on, was you know this this show is actually pretty popular, you know would they really just like end it here, and I don't think that they're going to. I haven't heard uh, much about it, but it seemed like it at the end, uh, the way that they ended season two, that they're going to continue the show, and now focus on the Cali cartel, and you know that's why they also they called it Narcos instead of like Escobar or something like that. Because it wasn't just going to be about Escobar. 
And then yeah, again, this is just like my opinion. Could be way off on this. Um, <clears throat> but uh, that's what it seems like they're going to do. And they're going to continue, you know, telling like drug related stories. And I guess like the history of Colombia and the drug trade and shit like that. And uh, it's a pretty dope show. Uh, I enjoy it. I think you guys would as well. Uh, check it out, definitely. One of the oh, one of the things I wanted to point out is uh, come really into details uh, when it comes to stuff like this. And when they do speak about or or depict a show or write about uh, specific things that did happen or things that really happened in real life, I like to like get into the details of that. And I. And pleasantly surprised when it when it's when it is like exact and uh you know let down when it's not <laughs> so the way that escobar dies at the end you know it's with uh you know he's hiding out and like in the middle of medellin somewhere he just has like one of his guys left with him i don't know if that part was true or not i didn't fact check that but i did fact check like a few things to be honest like throughout the show like did that really happen and a lot of it did Oh, and going back to that real quick, um, there's something that I tweeted recently, and it's on the Information is Beautiful website, which was really, really fucking cool. I'll actually, I'll link to it in the episode notes, actually, because I want you guys to check it out. It's a breakdown of a bunch of different movies. I don't know how many, but I, I went through like three or four uh, movies, and it shows you a bar, and the bar is a representation of the span of the movie you know like from beginning to end and the bar is just color-coded like green red orange and yellow i think or something like that or or just think green green orange and red and green is for true you know factual shit that happened like you know like for example one of the movies is wolf wolf of wall street another one is uh the revenant and stuff like that and then it shows green like stuff in the movie that actually did happen orange stuff in the movie that happened but not exactly how the movie depicted and then red for stuff in the movie that didn't happen at all or that there's no like real accounts for and then it shows you it's it gives you like percentage wise you know how accurate is this movie compared to like the true events and like wolf of wall street was like 80 something percent factual uh the revenant had its own percentage and so forth and what's really cool about it is that you you can scroll through like the entire movie kind of like with what's broken down on the on that bar on that bar like graph looking thing and as you scroll each thing each uh you see each scene and you can click on let's say one of the green bars or the red bar or whatever and it'll show you a pop-up and say like on the left side it'll say this is what happened in the movie you know in this scene uh, Jonah Hill says that he banged his cousin and he did coke and blah blah blah, and then in the true the true life person that Jonah Hill was representing, he did bang his third cousin. It wasn't his first cousin, and he didn't do coke. Um, supposedly they did mescaline, or you know what I mean, like something like that. And then that one that scene wouldn't be a hundred percent accurate, so it'll be orange, and you know it like it'll break down like everything like that, and it's super dope. You guys should definitely check it out. Uh, check out some of like your favorite movies or whatever on there, uh, so you can get an idea of the whole, uh, you know, f- true versus untrue shit that I started the episode with. 
Anyway, um, one of the things that I was pleasantly surprised with is the one of the final scenes of the season, which is when they finally, you know, infiltrate and they have a like a gunfight and they kill Escobar. Like all that shit like really happened. And there's you know, they start um once Escobar's dead, like the, the Medellin cops and uh the DA agent, they all you know, they're all like around Escobar's dead body and they take pictures with it and stuff. Uh, like for the press and the media. <clears throat> Excuse me. And that really did happen. Like in real life, they really did do that. And I kind of sort of knew of that, but I wanted to see how accurate they depicted that. And I went, like I Googled it or whatever, and um, down to the T, like what Escobar was wearing, that's what he was wearing in real life, what the DA agent was wearing, a red polo shirt with some, like, uh, stonewashed jeans or whatever, that's what he was wearing, and all the, like, agents around him, like, the same colors, and, and, um, and stuff like that, so, like, those details, like, I love that shit, um, and it was pretty cool, pretty cool to see that, I actually linked a picture in the episode notes as well, that shows the picture from the show, that they took around Escobar's body versus the real picture. Um, so check that out and let me know what you guys think about that. Next is three Broadway plays. I'm going to go slightly out of order from like what I said in the introduction that I was going to speak about, um, which I normally don't do, but whatever. Uh, I saw three Broadway plays recently and my brother put me on to, um, these Broadway lotteries that I'm actually going to record a separate, like one of the, those like video bonus episodes to show you guys exactly like how it works, how I would want to see it. Like if I was, you know, if I Googled it or YouTube did or whatever, um, and it's not going to be more than probably like a five minute thing, just showing, showing you guys like the link to the website, which is in the episode notes of this episode as well. Um, but exactly how to use it and what to expect and stuff like that. And um, but that aside, uh, my brother put me onto these like Broadway lotteries where that have su- supposedly they've been around for a minute, but I've never heard of them before. And basically what it is, is like excess tickets that don't sell instead of letting them go to waste. They, the uh, theater has a lottery and you can sign up on a daily basis. And if you win the lottery and, um, if you win the lottery, you have, you get emailed. Well, you get emailed either way, whether you win or lose. Um, and if you win, you get emailed and within an hour, you have to purchase the tickets. And the tickets are, uh, some shows are 30 bucks, some shows are 40 bucks. Um, there's a show, uh, Hamilton, which is 10 bucks. <clears throat> if you know anything about like Broadway and shit, I like going to plays. Um, it's something that like I, I, I've got to a few, and I think they're dope. I think they're, like, really creative, and it's just cool. something different. Um, but, like, OD expensive. Uh, if you're, like, mezzanine, like, the top level, like, the quote-unquote, like, worst seats, you're looking at, you know, anywhere for, like, an on-Broadway show, like, a, like 100 to 200 bucks. And then in the orchestra level, which is, like, the bottom level, it's you're probably looking at like 150 to like 300 bucks per ticket, which is sick. 
Um, and way out of my fucking price range. But I have in the past, you know, like saved up and like gone to, to a couple and also to a couple off Broadway plays, which are a little less expensive and and um, and so, some like a lot less expensive. Like you can see like off Broadway shows for like 40 or 50 bucks a ticket and stuff like that. But still um, sticking to these uh, Broadway ones, they're, you know, like crazy expensive. And uh, these lotteries, you know, again, 30 to 40 bucks with with no fees no tax no like no bullshit it's if you win you pay 30 bucks you get your fucking ticket that's it and the seats are are random you know it's like whatever seats didn't sell and i won within i've been and the the only catch is which if you can call this a catch for the fucking steep discount that you're getting is that if you win the tickets are for that same night for that for that same day that you um that you put in for the lottery. So you have to sign up every day. Like for any lottery that you want, you sign up. And, you know, um, again, I'm going to speak about how to sign up and shit like that in another episode. But you sign up and um, you just wait for the email. Either you win or you didn't win. And they let you know a few hours before. So you can, you know, you have ample time to like get there and stuff like that. It's not like they say, yo, come to the show in five minutes. And, um... It's pretty cool. Long story short, within like a week and a half to two weeks, I won three different shows, went with my wife, and we had a dope time. Uh, it felt like we we're like binge watching Broadway plays. We saw Get On Your Feet, The Lion King, and American, and American in Paris. So first off, Get On Your Feet was the first one. We got orchestra seats, dope seats um, for that one. That's like the lower level. And we had like comfortably, you know, like middle orchestra type seats uh, on the left hand side of the theater. And it was uh, surprisingly good. I didn't even want to see it. Um, it was one that my wife was like, yeah, I would definitely see that. It's Gloria Estefan, blah, blah, blah. And like, I know Gloria Estefan, like name wise and a couple of her songs or whatever, but I didn't like know her, know her. Um, and her story is, is, is really cool, really dope. It, it's the story of her and her, her husband, Emilio Estefan and like their life on like how they made it type of thing. And it's a really cool story, really dope story. Like a rags to riches type of story. And I remember actually saying there was a documentary I've spoken about it here in the past. It's on, I think it's on, it was on HBO, like Latin invasion or something like that. And Gloria Estefan was one of those artists that, like, everyone else, like, all the other, like, Latin artists, they, like, respected and, like, pointed to. Like, she was, like, one of the pioneers of why we were able to, like, do what we do. You know, like, people like J-Lo and, and Mark Anthony and, and Pitbull and, like, people like that, they were would all, like, yield to, to her, kind of. Um, So I knew she, you know, she wasn't just some, like, one-hit wonder type of chick. She was like somebody important, and then this show helped, you know, tell her story. Basically, it told her story, it was like, uh, like about her life, <clears throat> which was really cool. And what else? What else? Like in that in that uh, like HBO documentary type of thing, um, as well as in the play, they mention how when she was young, like when her family first came uh, to Florida, they went to Florida. 
there's a heavy like uh, Cuban population in, in Florida. There were signs like for like for apartments for rent that said like no pets, no Cubans, like shit like that, um, which is crazy. And then to go from that to like, I think she was like higher paid than Madonna at one point or something like that. She scored like a fifty million dollar deal um, because of like how good and popular she was, which was unheard of for any any like female act or act period. I think. But definitely a female act, let alone a Hispanic one. So it was a pretty dope story. And out of all three plays, it was the one that we enjoyed the most. Uh, so I had a really great time. You know, it was the first lottery that we won. Uh, it was orchestra, dope seats. And the story was was amazing. The acting was great. And it was really cool. Then we had the Lion King that we were really excited to go to. Um n- but at the same time, not as excited. Like, The Lion King was, it's, full disclosure, one of, it's my favorite cartoon movie ever. Like, I fucking love that story. And it was a play that we wanted to see just, like, off the strength of that. Um, At least me, like, personally, off the strength of, you know, it's one of the best cartoon movies ever. And, but I was always, like, thrown off a little bit by, like, the costumes I thought like I wouldn't like that, which surprisingly, which ironically I like, actually did. I thought it was one of the better parts of the play. Um, but you know, it was like, you know, they had like line hats on, and I don't know, it's like something about it like threw me off. And um, so I wanted to see it, but I didn't want to see it, and whatever. I won, definitely didn't want to pay, you know, the 150, 200 bucks per ticket uh, to go see it. Uh, so winning the lottery was like a great alternative and we got good seat. They're good seats. What we got, I mean, when you go to, to a theater, like all the seats are good seats. Um, but there are some better than others. You know what I mean? Like when, for example, like I told you guys, the book of Mormon that I went to go see, they had like, it was like obstructed view considered cause you're like literally the first seat on the right hand side. So you're like by the curtain. So there's certain things that you can't like fully see. Um, and, uh, like when we went to American in Paris, which is, uh, the one I'm going to tell you guys about next, the seats weren't that great cause they were like too close. Um, it's kind of like if you go to like a movie theater and you're like in the first row type of thing and you're like looking up, like they're not like good seats, you know, but they're the front row. So it's kind of like a, I don't know, give and take type of thing. Um, Anyway, we had, it was mezzanine, which is the top level, and they were, they were uh, center mezzanine, so the fact that it was center, it was like dead center, literally like the center most seat you can get, and that aspect of it was dope, because you, you see the, like the full theater, but I'll be honest with you, man, mezzanine level is for peasants now let me stop <laughs> the, me- <laughs> the mezzanine i feel like you lose something in the mezzanine like you're not as immersed into the experience especially a show like liking that you got like a lot of like shit going on like around you um like people come out from the sides and like start swinging stuff in the air like birds and stuff like that like if you're in the orchestra i would imagine like you look up and you see the birds flying overhead kind of but at the mezzanine level 
and it's like it's like the third level mezzanine it wasn't even like the second level mezzanine the second level mezzanine probably looks dope um it's probably like the perfect seat for something like that but the first show like that but the uh third level you're like above that part of it like the birds and like certain things like that and i don't know i just feel like i've i didn't feel like as immersed in it as i did with uh like other plays where i've sat orchestra level uh so that said though it was it was uh i was surprised with the with the outfits and stuff like that that was actually one of my favorite parts like the detail that went into the the uh outfits and costumes and stuff like that that they wore was like incredible and just like seeing it from like that point of view of of people putting on like all that stuff and 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 um and doing a play it's like it's it's pretty admirable it's pretty cool and um what else well you know the story was pretty much like not word for word the uh the the movie but very close to it um so you know obviously we know the story one of the dopest scenes was that they pulled off like really in like a really cool way was the like stampede that killed Mufasa and the scene my favorite scene of the whole play was was uh when if you guys remember in the movie when Simba's like out with Timon and Pumbaa and he's like it's nighttime and Rafiki shows up the monkey and hits him in the head and says you know go look into the water you'll see your father and he sees a reflection of himself but then it turns into his father like that whole scene that scene was dope that shit was really good that was like my favorite scene of the whole thing and um it, it was a cool play it wasn't i didn't love it it like there was something um i guess just because i put it like such a, on a high pedestal the movie the cartoon movie i was expecting that from the play but that's uh that's unfair i think and also like i said the the seats i think um took away a little bit of the the immersion experience two things that I thought were hilarious was <laughs> when in one of the scenes, like if you, you guys have seen the movie you've seen, or even if you've seen the play, um, but if you've seen the movie, there's a scene where after Scar takes over Pride Rock, um, Zazu, the bird, he has him like locked in like a rib cage and Zazu is singing and Scar says, stop being so so fucking like morose or whatever you know sing something more upbeat and then he starts singing something and then scar tells him to shut up in the play like they have that same scene and when scar asks him to sing something more upbeat he starts singing let it go from like that disney movie let it go let it go which is funny um uh which is cool cool too like from a creative perspective like that's that's a a area where they could like plug in new new you know like um contemporary songs and keep that same joke just as funny you know what i mean like throughout the life of the play or whatever um and then the second thing oh and the the, the other thing that took away from it is that it took away from the whole experience of the show is that we won these tickets on a i think it was a wednesday so I don't think it were it was all the like A actors. Um I don't think. And but I mean the acting was really good. So for some of them it was great. Like the the guy that played Zazu the bird, um he was awesome. Uh the guy that played Scar 
Uncle Scar. He was dope. He must have been. If he wasn't the A actor, he should have been. And the guy that played Mufasa was great. And Nala. Nala, both the little girl Nala and the the grown-up Nala. Um, those were great. Uh, Simba, the little kid, he was he was good. He was really good. Um, but certain things, I don't know, like he sang like off-key to me. Or I don't know if that was like a mezzanine thing or, or what. Uh, but he's a little kid, like whatever. But he was good. And, uh, but the old Simba was like a letdown. <laughs> to be honest and this is one of the things that, that i was gonna say that that was funny the other thing is that simba had like moobs like man boobs and which is weird because you know like that whole scene like he's like the little kid simba's like with timon and pumbaa and uh kuna matata kuna matata they're singing and shit and then uh the little simba like converts into the big simba like they did that same same scene where in the play where they they do that. The little Simba singing with Timon and Pumbaa. Then, you know, they walk towards, like, the curtain. And then, well, when he comes back from the curtain, it's the big Simba. And the big Simba, like, pops into the scene or whatever. And you're expecting, like, this big, like, the rock-looking fucking Hercules kind of kind of dude. And it's, like, a, a short chubby dude with man boobs. <laughs> so it was kind of... <laughs> which was really athletic, by the way. Because he did, it, like, flips and cartwheels and, like, shit like that. And he did a great, like like, acting job. Uh, well, I wouldn't say great. He did a good acting job, but like it, I don't know. It kind of like took away from it, like what you expected, I guess. But um, overall, the the play was cool. I'm glad we went, uh, but I'm also glad we didn't pay like full price for those for uh, the experience. And last but not least, American in Paris. Uh, An American in Paris was a really really cool story. I like the story a lot. Um, suppose I've never seen the movie. The play is based on a movie that won an Oscar, and uh, I've never seen it. And um, uh, we pretty much went to the play because it was on a Sunday. It was at three o'clock, and I won. And why not go to a play for this one? The tickets were thirty bucks, and we got orchestra seats again, but it was second row orchestra. And just a tip, a personal tip. Um, or you know, personal like preference or whatever. Try to sit orchestra whenever you go to a play. But um, n- uh, not too far. If you sit like on the, you know, you have like the middle row of seats and then you have the left side of seats and the right side of seats. If you sit on the left side, try not to sit, you know, too far to the left, like the last seats on the left. Try to sit either no more than the middle of the left side and same thing with the right no more of the middle of the right side and then if you sit in the middle um orchestra where we were try to stay uh in the third row and back only because i've noticed like with these theaters like the first like two to three row you probably well you'll be probably 100 percent safe like in the fourth row and back um but the first like two rows definitely sometimes three it's not like stadium seating like you know where the seats always go up it kind of like curves down in the second row and then starts to curve up in the third fourth row so the very first row in the front is like a little bit higher than the second row even um and just generally so you're like a little bit lower than the stage which isn't cool um and but you have like second row seats which is at a play which is dope 
but at the same time you lose something from uh, just like I feel I felt like you lose something from the like immersion experience uh, aspect of it when sitting in the mezzanine when you sit that close to the stage you also lose something as well and um, yeah so I recommend at least third fourth row and back when you sit in the middle so we had second row um, in the middle of the, the in the middle section of the orchestra on the right hand side and uh, my wife didn't love the seats you know she she had somebody like a little bit taller like in front of her also which took away from it and um yeah so seat wise that was that but the story was really dope i really liked it it was a really cool uh cool story what i didn't like about the play oh and the acting was great the acting was really really great um that i really liked and th there was even some famous chick i forgot her name let me see if I can find it real quick. Uh, I don't know. You guys could Google it. Um, but it's like v Vivian Cox or v v Vianne Knox or I don't know, something like that. But I just Google, you know, famous actress lady. She's been like my wife recognized her and I was like, oh, shit, yeah. She's been like in movies. I don't know which ones or whatever, but, you know, uh, which but that was like added plus. And what i didn't like about it though and but a lot of people appreciated this it's just not my thing is that it was like very ballet heavy so you have plays that are like just plays you have plays that are more like musicals where they have more singing i mean i think every play has singing but you know some more than others like if it's considered a musical it has like a shitload of singing this one was a play that was that was uh like ballet heavy so like everything was ballet and, you know, they have singing and stuff, too, obviously, and acting. But it was heavy, heavy ballet. Like, sometimes, whole like, throughout the whole play, they all wore, like, ballet shoes. So, there was, like, a lot of, like, dancing. And, and I guess you have to be into ballet to understand, like, the interpretation of that and, like, what certain dances mean and, and stuff like that. As someone who's never seen ballet, you could kind of sort of see, you know, in certain scenes what they were trying to say with it. And, obviously, it helps along with the, the narrative that you know they would speak and shit too but um but that aspect of it it's, it's just not my cup of tea and uh, i wasn't into that too much but all in all it was pretty pretty dope pretty dope sunday i kind of just like signed up for the tickets the the day before or the saturday and um didn't have shit to do on sunday wound up winning and went to a 3 p.m pay uh play and it was pretty dope and we didn't have to pay for parking because it was Sunday and there was no meters. And, and we actually found a free parking spot outside in the city, which is rare and unheard of, but a nice added plus. Uh, so, yeah, there's a episode in the episode notes. I put the link to this uh, to these uh, where you can find the lottery and you guys get figured out. But like I said, we do a separate episode. Look out for that pr probably uh, next week. I'll, I'll release it before the episode after this one which i will be in mexico in two weeks on my honeymoon and uh yeah i'm gonna uh, pre-record an episode for that but i'm also gonna release like a separate one of those like video bonus episodes that i do sometimes and what else central intelligence the movie was funny it was really funny actually uh, i enjoyed it i saw it with my wife the other day on our uh, little movie night that we have and it, it was funny. 
I like The Rock. I think everybody likes The Fucking Rock. And um, and Kevin Hart's it is always hilarious. Hollywood is juicing the shit out of him and just cranking out movies like a motherfucker. But there were uh, a few, you know, for, first of all, the funniest scene of the entire shit is, which they showed in every fucking preview um, of the movie, even before the movie was in theaters, was the scene where where uh, The Rock is in high school and he's fat. He's like a fat kid. Uh, Robbie Robbie Deerdick or some shit like that is his name. And he's like dancing in the shower of school. And you just hear in the background, never gonna get it, never gonna get it. Woo, 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 woo. And he fucking, he's like dancing to that. And he does like the fucking, like the worm or some shit with his arms. And he just turns around and he's just like the rock, but super fat. <laughs> and that's like the most funny scene in the whole movie. And there was a, a few other funny things that I, that I liked in the movie. Which I jotted down to share with you folks. So, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen it, you might want to fast forward a couple minutes. But, uh, the, a few funny things is, like, The Rock called, uh, Kevin Hart, like, a few things throughout the movie. One of which was, uh, you're like a fun-sized Denzel, (laughs) which is funny. Uh, he called him, he was talking about how, like, he asked him a question or something, and, and, in the movie, Kevin Hart is like a forensic, forensic accountant, so he knows forensic accounting stuff. <laughs> and The Rock is a CIA agent, and uh, plays and like asks him a question, and Kevin Hart answers him, and he's like, "Damn, look at you, man! You're like a chocolate Google." I thought that was hilarious. Um, what else? Oh, and and then in 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 one, he calls him. Uh, the Rock calls Kevin Hart. A black Will Smith, which was just hilarious. Just the whole, like, alluding to Will Smith, like, acting white or just being light-skinned and and stuff like that, which I don't think he does act that way, but it was just funny. Then you had a few, like, kind of, like, cameos or, like, small roles in it, which were, which was dope. Um, Kumail Nanjiani, which is a comedian that I like, uh, he was in it. And there's a scene where Kevin Hart, Kumail Nanjani is like the the receptionist guy or like the owner of a small like shop place where you go not shop place it's like a we do like flying lessons it look like like in planes and um you know but it's like a small shop and you walk in it's just like the counter and the guy or whatever and um Kevin Hart had to distract them and you know it's two comics so like the the chemistry like interaction between them is like it's notable which is cool and then the the writing was good i wonder how much of that was like ad-libbed the writing in that scene was really good though and he they're talking about fucking kevin hart distracts him with bringing in the cooler and saying that there's an organ in there and that you know he needs to he needs to borrow a plane or some shit like that and then and then uh, Kumail is just, he's funny as fuck, just like listening to him and like his demeanor in general. And uh, in this scene, he's like, I've never seen an organ in a, like a fucking thermos or something like that cooler or whatever it was, like an igloo cooler. And he was like, I'll be honest with you, 
some bitch went crazy. She cut off this Korean guy's dick, and and it's you know that's the organ that's in here or some some shit like that, some crazy shit. And Kumail says that he's seen Korean dicks bigger than Kevin Hart or something like that. It was it was hilarious. I fucking built it up too much, I think, because it didn't sound funny right now. But whatever, it's a funny scene. Check it out. And what else? Oh, Jesse from Breaking Bad. I forget his real name. But Jesse from Breaking Bad. You guys will all know him by. He was in the movie also. Uh, he had a small role. And what was dope is that there was a scene where they purposely wrote in um, when he he's like arguing and fighting with The Rock. And The Rock throws something at him. And um, he calls him bitch. Like in the way that, you know, Jesse always used to say, damn bitch. Or whatever. He used to say bitch all the time. Breaking Bad is like what he's known for. Um, he said it like with the same exact inflection. It was kind of like a not to Breaking Bad type of thing. Um, and that was pretty cool. Anyway, Central Intelligence, yeah, check it out. I thought it was, I thought it was dope. All right, so on a more, I guess, serious note, if you want to take a dude and recording a podcast before going to work, uh, serious, but uh, topic-wise, I guess, compared to Narcos and Central Intelligence, um, and if you want to take a guy that was just speaking about. Korean dicks being bigger than Kevin Hart. Serious about Black Lives Matter <laughs> and uh, the the uh, the first presidential debate. The last two topics of this episode. Uh, just a quick note on on each, I guess. Something I noticed with, with Black Lives Matter, and that it's kind of like a testament to how you know words matter and 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 it's important, I think, to define what we're speaking about when we're speaking about things is that everything is open to interpretation, right? Everything, you know, whether it's movies, books, ideas, whatever, it's open to interpretation and people are always going to interpret things differently. But it's that much more essential, I think, to define certain like polarizing movements like Black Lives Matter because that creates that that divide like from the get-go and like once that's created it's like virtually impossible to to find common ground and i feel that like black lives matter in and of itself is from a minority standpoint what is being said by that is and this is again my interpretation of it is black lives matter too two as in also you know it's like saying yo our lives fucking matter also because we feel that our lives don't matter then uh you know based on how you know being treated and um police shootings that are getting captured on video and and exacerbated um Or not exacerbated, but like just like in the forefront of of the internet and media and like stuff like that, um, versus the interpretation of or what I feel the interpretation of what Black Lives Matter matter means to uh, non minorities, which is or people like of that mind state, uh, Black Lives Matter only. So 
to reiterate that, so on one side you have Black Lives Matter, and then I'm putting my own little asterisk to it. Black Lives Matter 2 as an also. And then on the other side, you have the people looking at it like Black Lives Matter only. Like as in, what are you trying to say? My lives don't matter, all lives matter. And like right there, it's like, it's like, no, that's not what, what I'm saying. I'm saying we matter also. And then on this side, it's like, no, you're saying you matter, you know, your lives matter, but mine don't or something like that. You know what I mean? Which is where the all lives matter, you know, quote unquote movement comes from. And trying to write that, that wrong that they see as wrong because they're trying to say all lives matter, which all lives do fucking matter. Like no shit. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to point that out because just something I was thinking about and and I think it's something that we all have to be like cognizant of. <clears throat> um, when just defining anything, especially like polarizing, you know, touchy, important topics uh, like this one. And I have an idea for in terms of just specifically like this police violence that is in the forefront of of a lot of people's minds and especially in the inner city neighborhoods and stuff like that i think there should be some sort of like law enforcement out outreach to communities and i've heard you know vaguely things like this mentioned but uh just nothing i don't know nothing it's too vague too general too okay what the fuck does that mean you know what i mean like community outreach like what though tell me like what is the outreach but my my proposal i guess to all the police departments in the country no. <laughs> um my i don't know just thought of it would be like a real grassroots incentivized to the cops outreach incentivized to the cops in the sense of you know and this is aside from the fact that we need better training we need we need to raise the bar for uh, law enforcement because you do have and I know motherfuckers I went to high school with, which I know are unfit to fucking work at Foot Locker, let alone be cops. that are cops. And motherfuckers that were, like, breaking laws back then <laughs> and shit. And um, just weaseling out of everything. I don't know. Certain people shouldn't be cops. We all know that. And the bar is, like, so low that that becomes, like, a default. Like, oh, if I can't, you know, finish college i'll just do two years of community college and become a cop or something if i can't get a good job or whatever because at least i'll get benefits and first of all that bar needs to be raised and training revamp and stuff like that but just like as an immediate kind of like all right let's try to fix this shit folks let's try to connect like on a human level and and really try to like mend these relationships have some sort of incentivized by incentivized i mean like practical fucking yo if you do this you get overtime pay to cops and um and you know to try to get them to actually want to do it and if they don't want to do it fucking force you know your job this week you know just like you have like b cops or you used to have b cops i don't even know if they have that shit anymore that you see walking around in the community and stuff um have that more because because people get to know their local police officer just like they get to know their local um uh postman that's the way it should be and have motherfuckers walking around in the community going door to door 
um like a real grassroots type of outreach like going door to door literally knocking on doors in the community introduce themselves as i'm from such and such precinct just want to let you know here's a flyer contact us with you know anything you need or stuff like that like do stuff like that reach out let the community see you let the community see that you're trying also and, and i mean like door literally door to door type shit like go knock on motherfuckers doors don't just don't don't not like some you know we're doing community outreach come to the precinct between 2 and 2 30 p.m on a wednesday you know like who the fuck is gonna go to that <sighs> um and more importantly hold uh lessons you could hold you know in the evening uh you know after work you know six to seven seven to eight p.m something like that at the precinct for an hour um little little sessions or maybe the community boards could get involved with something like this sessions where you invite a police officer um and have them have like classes like how to interact with police officers which will be beneficial to both police officers as well as uh residents of a specific community of that specific community and have them say you know listen when we approach you this is the way the interaction should go kind of like train people how to deal with fucking cops because it's like it's i've been pulled over a few times and it's like a nerve-wracking thing even if you're getting pulled over because you know you made an illegal u-turn or you know it's some like trivial shit like that it's it's a nerve-wracking thing and you you get like nervous and flustered and the cop is, is sometimes a lot of the times like an assertive kind of like dickhead and and you know you just like cops should be trained to deal with people like on a more human level i guess you know, respecting the fact that they have to be on their P's and Q's and be ready for anything. And they do have stressful, fucked up jobs where they get shot at. And, and, you know, not all, you know, it's not like the movies, but you know, that they have to be on their toes to that level because that possibility is always there. It's always a true possibility. Um, we should be able to, to connect on a more human level and also ease into that type of interaction. Cause like for the most part, they're not dealing with that every fucking day right um you know when they pull somebody over if they let's say you're one of these folks that do go to one of these community meetings and you're like okay i kind of sort of understand like where they're coming from i'm not going to be as you know much of a you know why the fuck you pulling me over that won't raise his levels up his he you know that wouldn't in turn raise the the dialogue and start us arguing and start us you know me pulling out the cop pulling out his gun and i'm just trying to get my id what the fuck and this and that and 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 hopefully that'll help curb some of the fucked up incidents that we've seen lately with with people getting shot and and killed by murdered basically by fucking police officers that are inadequate that are incompetent and it'll help just mend the divide that is continuously growing between police department and community and that's my take on that. And lastly, I'm all for like protest and peaceful protest and your right to protest and stuff like that. Um, I actually created, if you want to call it that, a fucking a Black Lives Matter t-shirt that you guys can check out. I'll link to it in the episode notes. It pretty much says in the front, uh, police training manual. And then under that it says, when in doubt, blame the black guy. And then in the back, Black Lives Matter. 
So check that out if you want to peacefully protest and kind of like get the point across and um, that we need uh, uh, the bar raise for cops and better training and stuff like that. Uh, just like all around, it's of a benefit to all of us. And also it seems to be a, uh, not seems to be, it is a major uh, component of this upcoming election, which is just uh, about a month away, which I'm excited about because, you know, all the election hoopla and bullshit will be over. Um, but just to see how it turns out as well. Um, the first debate, there's going to be three presidential debates. The first one aired and um, I was happy with it. I enjoyed it. And, you know, the crazy crazy thing is how how much of a spectacle the elections are in the u.s that i anticipated this this debate just as much as like a ufc fight um and it's crazy that that it's like that that it's like that type of spectacle um but it's also aside from being a spectacle it's important you know in the the general direction that the the country and the sentiment of the country is like going in whether you believe that the the president you know has real power or they're just a puppet or there's influence or you know they do have major influence or they don't um, regardless of what i think it's a testament to how the country as a whole feels um for the most part at least when it comes to like popular vote and it's important to to look into certain issues and know kind of what's going on um, a couple things, you know, first of all, Hillary, you know, I think it's common knowledge by now, if you haven't heard Hillary demolished Trump in the debate, demolished, yes, demolished debate wise, she demolished him. He, you know, there was they, you know, I've listened to like a few pundits and stuff, speak about it, uh, speak about the, uh, the debate and say that for the first half of the debate, Trump won it. He didn't win shit. He was lost from the fucking beginning. And actually tweeted, I think like 10 minutes in, <clears throat> into the debate of how, how you guys know that, not saying, but that how when JFK ran for president, they say, you know, it was like the first televised uh, debates. And, the fact that JFK was this young, fresh looking, you know, guy, presidential looking guy just boosted the fuck out of him uh, versus Nixon, which was like a sweaty, um, uh, like mess. And, uh, like that kind of like lost it for him. Uh, the, the, this debate had like the reverse effect for Trump. Like he had like all this momentum coming into it. And I think that, um, his incompetence shown through admirably and, he it look he made it look like a junior high school debate for class president or something like that with his interrupting and his loudness and his brashness and his bullshit and and you could just see like through all of it and then you had on the other hand like the poise of hillary clinton which i'm not the biggest fan of but um if i have to pick between the two it's no contest and uh yeah i i tweeted that this had the reverse effect of what uh, televised debates had for JFK. That said, there were uh, a few important points that I just want to highlight real quick before I let you guys go. 
that were mentioned and hopefully are um, stuck to, uh, for example, on Hillary's point of view, uh, from Hillary's, uh, something Hillary said, she says that she mentioned ending uh, private prisons at the federal level, and hopefully the states will as well. The states probably won't, but the fact that she's pushing that direction would be great if it's actually something that's followed through on. I was talking about privatized prisons in the past, and basically it's some sick system where it's incentivized to, on a very basic level, it's incentivized to have people in prison. That shouldn't be an incentive because then you get fuckery where people are driven by profit alone. And that's where you wind up with so many uh, incarcerated people that are incarcerated for nonviolent drug crimes and and to like a, a crazy de- uh, degree and people that are wrongfully convicted and stuff like that uh, because the system facilitates that because it incentivizes having them in there. Um, so I appreciate that. Now, I'll give merit where merits do. There were actually three things that, and there was a, a bunch of other things that, you know, Hillary said that was just like the general talking points that things that I agree with. But things that I was surprised that I agreed with Trump on. And I don't think that Hillary would be like against any of these things, but um, a couple of things was that we're in a bubble, which I... I have no, like, authority to say, yes, he's right. But just from, like, different economists that, like, I read, like, newsletters on and 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 just, like, the general pulse of, I guess, at least the f- financial shit that I read into, that people that I, like, Kruger and uh, George Friedman and, like, the... A uh, bunch of different economists that are featured in the Molden Economics uh, newsletter that I've mentioned to you guys in the past as well. Um, there's definitely going to be, uh, Trump said that we're in a bubble, and there's definitely going to be a, according to, again, take it with a grain of salt, it's just the people that I, that I read or have heard speak about the topic, that the next president of the U.S. is is like almost certainly going to deal with a recession, another recession. And some people, uh, they just, it's definitely going to be within four years. They just estimate it, whether it's going to be within a year or up to three years, but definitely by the third year of the next presidency, there's going to be another recession. So that's something that, that Trump alluded to, not alluded to, he mentioned that we're in a bubble and that we have to do something to fix it. And then he just bullshitted after that and create jobs and blah, blah, blah. Um, but that was definitely an important point that I think we have to be, we'll have to be more cognizant of. And what else? And he, something that I like that he said is that um, when he was speaking about us having like, uh, us being, uh, uh, and by us, I mean like the US, uh, the country as a whole, just being in debt and be having so much debt. And he was like, something they said, which I liked surprisingly was that we're in so much debt and he was like at least if you know we would have good roads and bridges and stuff like that and our infrastructure would infrastructure wouldn't be crumbling then you have something to show for it but we're in so much debt and we have shit infrastructure and i thought that was a a good point because i think it's it was like a talking point of obama 
and honestly i haven't I haven't looked into it too much so i can't really speak to you know or all the roads and you know throughout the country and stuff like that like bridges crumbling and like stuff like that um i have to look into that actually before i start talking shit about it but generally speaking i know it was like a talking point during the obama election cycle when he was running and uh that was like a main concern and he's gotten a lot of of or he's gotten flack i don't know if it's a lot but he's gotten flack for not really delivering on that and and creating jobs through investments on on infrastructure or at least as heavy as he was like purporting um but again i don't know if that's true or not or how true that is but apparently it's still if it is true you know the infrastructure is that lacking which you do see in some areas in some neighborhoods you know fucking potholes in the streets and and stuff like that and if you're here from queens the Wake has had construction being done to it for like 20 years and stuff like that you know little like quality of life things like that 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 uh that impact us directly on a daily basis uh it should definitely be looked at and lastly and i'm being semi-exact on that um and that was the last thing actually <laughs> semi-exact i love how trump said that he 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 was being semi i forgot what he was talking about but he said that he was being semi-exact like his whole thing was blah 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 blah. to be semi-exact it was blah blah blah, blah. like semi-exact like it's such an oxymoron it's like the it's not even like a thing how do you how are you semi-exact <laughs> you're either exact or you're not anyway i thought that was fucking funny anyway folks that's the episode for today i gotta get my ass ready for work and I will record the outro later when I get back. Last thing I want to say, actually, real quick, is the media. Yo, the moderators fucking suck for this thing. I mean, I can't think, I can't imagine, I guess, like, the, the pre- they gotta get somebody that just doesn't give a fuck, that doesn't want to be political, doesn't want to be, but I guess the network's putting it on, so, I don't know, they gotta get, we gotta have, a, like, a, the independent debate or some shit. The, these moderators fucking suck. They're all pussies. Every last one of them, they don't they don't hold them to anything. The only one that does, and you know, I'm biased, I guess, because I'm Spanish, <laughs> but the um the guy from Univision, I forget his name, but he I've seen him like in interviews. He um he presses them, you know. And he's like, no, you didn't answer the question. I asked you this. Answer this. Like I would literally have a one hour fucking debate, or however long it was, two hours, three hours literally asking the same fucking question over and over and over again to fucking trump until or to hillary until they fucking answer it and not even have a fucking debate you know just fuck it like some podcast style shit like unlimited fucking this debate is gonna go for 12 hours if you motherfuckers don't answer the question answer the fucking question type shit that's how it should be and that aside the media has a real real um issue with the you know, being driven by monetary um, gain, as well as delivering unbiased, unfiltered news. And I hate that in like this, this uh, debate, they asked about um, Obama's citizenship and were you right or were you wrong? Like, come on, stop wasting fucking time with the citizenship, the whole shit was a joke, the whole thing was a ploy to 
distract from like real issues and stuff like that and it's continuing to distract even in into this debate it was meant to distract in the other one in the other you know while obama was running and it's still like in the forefront of some retards minds um like literally if it came out tomorrow yes barack obama was born in kenya and shouldn't have been president he's been the president for the last eight fucking years give it up like it's done that's it like it shouldn't even be like brought up as a topic as a question like ask about russia strong-arming motherfuckers in in ukraine and and north korea blasting off fucking nuclear test missiles and shit like that and substantive like important things you know the black lives matter movement and 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 uh, their take on uh, police violence and stuff like that legalization of marijuana to to generate real fucking revenue and like stuff like that like actual issues not where were you right or were you wrong with, with what you said eight years ago about where our president was born who gives a shit fuck you media for that type of stuff anyway that's it i'm out two last things about the the um the debate also one the moderator makes the moderator from the debate makes brian gumbel look like tupac and two they should have the option the, the moderator got like steamrolled by trump a shitload of times and by hillary also but they should have the moderator and if the moderator i don't know if should it be the moderator or somebody else probably the moderator and at their discretion if it's a real fucking moderator, because if not, then it defeats the purpose, giving them this tool. But they should have the option to cut off microphones when the candidates go over time. You know, like if, you know, get them to stick to a specific time. And I know, you know, part of the whole debate thing is to establish dominance and, you know, um, you know that whole type of psychological get into the opponent's head type of thing and and by doing so into the heads of the voters and and stuff like that and um yeah i just i don't like that aspect of it if it's timed it should be timed you know with a little bit of discretion given by the the moderator but not fucking no let me finish my point then they go on for like fucking eight minutes like fucking disaster in a battle rap or some shit anyway that's enough of that shit let me tell you guys how you can support the podcast if you choose to do so uh thanks by the way for listening to episode 57 and that's pretty much that pretty much wraps up the the episode but if you want to stick around for a couple more minutes and listen to some tunes in the background while i um plug a shitload of different ways that you guys can help support me in the podcast uh stick around and if not uh, check out a future episode of the podcast thanks for listening uh, you can support the podcast in several ways. First of which is, would you like to receive a short email from me once a week on Mondays at noon? It's called the Midday Monday Boost Letter. And what it includes is a photo of the week, a podcast of the week, a video of the week, a quote of the week, and a word of the week. All five things are things that I'm into. And I... Uh, choose different ones to feature in the newsletter that again goes out every monday at noon and if you're interested go to spuntoday.com forward slash subscribe 
and check it out. Um, also, if you'd like to, if you're into anything creative, you know, writing, singing, drawing, whatever it is, painting, then check out my questionnaire. It's um, a five-question questionnaire. I just noticed that that's five questions, and the Midday Monday Boost Letter has five things in it also. Um, and that wasn't on purpose. Anyway, the questionnaire has five questions. It's open-ended questions, pretty much about like creativity and how you get yourself to do what it is that you do, what motivates you, what drives you, what's your passion uh, about, uh, and what, what it means to you, like that type of thing. And you guys can fill it out. And the purpose of it is so that I can give you a shout out on the podcast, on a future episode of the podcast, and just share your insight to your craft, um, the way that you see it with the rest of the listeners. And by doing so, uh, people gain, you know, like little tips and motivation from it. I know I have in the past for those of you that have filled it out. And if you want to, you can choose to remain anonymous. Um, and if not, then I'll definitely give you a shout out. So check that out at spuntoday.com forward slash questionnaire. Another way for you to support the podcast, if you choose to, is check out my photography on my website, spuntoday.com forward slash photography. I'm not a, a um, you know, like seasoned licensed photographer or whatever, <laughs> whatever you call it. But I like taking pictures of stuff. And I put on the website shots that I think are, are cool shots. And check it out. You know, you can download any of them for free uh, if you want to. And also, if you want to print any of them, like uh, in like frames or posters or anything like that, I work with a site called Created, C-R-A-T-E-D.com forward slash spun today. And there you can order prints in different sizes and, and um different types like i said posters canvases and stuff like that if you want to so check that out as well another way that you can support the podcast financially which will not cost you a penny is by shopping on amazon and like you probably do already but before you go directly to amazon.com go to spuntoday.com and click on my affiliate links page and there you're going to see a bunch of different banners for um, all the ways that I've mentioned so far that you can uh, help support the podcast. But also you'll find Amazon banners there. What you do is just click on one and it'll take you to Amazon.com and you will do your shopping like you normally do. And what happens there is that Amazon gives me a referral fee, um, a couple percentage percentage points, would you call it? No. Um like pennies on the dollar for your overall purchase and it's nothing that increases your purchase price or anything like that um, it's just uh, an incentive that amazon gives to its affiliates for driving traffic towards their website so check that out at sponsor.com forward slash affiliate links i also have on that page you'll find uh, the banners for amazon for itunes which works the same way um, you have a paypal donation button there uh, if you want to check that out, feel free. Uh, also, the Viral Style page. On Viral Style, I have... There's actually a link in the episode notes of every episode, if I'm not mistaken. 
uh, or not every episode, but since I created like the viral style, started working with viral style to create t-shirts and mugs and stuff like that. Uh, you can find a link to that in the episode notes, but also uh, there at sponsor.com forward slash affiliate links. And that's where you'll find actually the Black Lives Matter t-shirt that I mentioned earlier in the episode uh, that's on there as well as just uh, like regular not regular but you know like spun today logo tees with the spun today you know tagline quote that i always say at the end of every episode stick around if you don't know what i'm referring to and you'll hear it um and yeah um you can buy some merch there if you choose to and it would be greatly appreciated another way to support the podcast just a couple couple more to get out the way is by buying my book right that's what this whole this whole thing is about this whole podcasting journey which is to fuel the writing journey which is to fuel the podcasting journey which is to fuel the writing journey and so this whole shitstorm of a of a of a cycle we're going through here together um but check out my book make way for you tips for getting out of your own way and it is just that tips for getting out of your own way it's ways that i motivated myself to you know get up and actually pursue something um i think a lot of times people feel like lost or feel like they don't you know they get they get stuck in ruts and i know i did for a long time and just just living day to day um going through the motions basically but not really feeling alive as cliche as that sounds um but then you know i reconnected with writing and started doing this podcast thing and stuff like that and and i'm having a blast doing it uh, to be honest and i want to continue to do so um and it's it's uh a book that's a collection of freely written thoughts that again came together in this in this form of motivating me to get up off my ass and 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 doing something about something that i wanted so check it out hopefully it has the same type of effect on you and you can check out the book on any of your favorite e-readers whether it's ibooks or kindle or a kobo or Smashwords, and it's, uh, it's available on all those sites and uh you can order a paper uh the, a paperback copy uh through amazon as well again it's called make way for you there's actually a link on my website called sponsor.com forward slash books and there um i explain more about the book i give you like a little video as well as a few audio excerpts uh, directly from the book and i give you the option of dropping in your email address and i'll shoot you over a free full copy of the book uh, if you don't want to purchase it so check that out again it's at sponsor.com forward slash books Above all else, what you can do to support this or any of your favorite podcasts is to rate and review the podcast on your favorite podcatcher, whether you listen on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Pocket Casts, YouTube even. You know, just rate, subscribe, review it. It helps the podcast gain traction. It helps, uh, you know, just put other, other folks onto it that might also enjoy it so please rate and review the podcast would be greatly appreciated and what else like the facebook fan page follow me on social media twitter instagram at spun today on both of those 
check out the Tumblr page, which is... I always forget the Tumblr page. I don't show Tumblr. Much love. Spun Today SpunTodayPodcast.tumblr.com And that's it. That's it, folks. That's the episode. Episode 57 of the Spun Today Podcast. I'm your host, Tony Ortiz. And as always, substitute the mysticism with hard work and start taking steps in the general direction of your dreams. Thanks for listening. <laughs>